1: Ladies and gentlemen, hello there, and welcome to the Fightful NXT TakeOver War Games post-show. Welcome, everyone. I am Mr. Warren Hayes sitting in for Sean Ross Sap this evening. Sean is making sure that he can get into that that es- that essential, top-notch, number-one important media call with Triple H. I, you know, I'm being facetious here. It is cool that he gets to be there, so we don't want to miss out on that. So that's why I'm here Making sure that we're able nonetheless to talk about everything we saw tonight on this fantastic show here on Fightful, on the YouTube channel of Fightful, Fightful Wrestling. Leave a, you know, if you want to help us out, if you want to support us right now, leave a like to the video. Later on or even right now, leave some comments. This kind of stuff helps us out tremendously and uh, helps the videos go forward, helps the channel, boosts everyone. And your support on Fightful Select as well helps the, the, the show or everything that we do here at Fightful even more directly. It helps, it, it, it helps everyone who does stuff for Fightful. We've got a bunch of stuff over there, including Sour Graps. And that's why heading over to Fightful Select helps. Because it helps Alex Palowski, who's with me here, do his weekly show, Sour Graps. But tonight we are not Sour Grapping all that much, aren't we, Alex?
2: No, uh, there's, there's not a lot to sour grap tonight. Um, as always, I reserve the right to sour grap about what happened tonight if they don't follow up on it, or they oh. botch all the pushes they should be giving people. <laughs> but currently, I am grappless. I am sour grappless.
1: The way I see what we're going to be doing tonight, Alex, is is you setting up a bunch of potential material for sour yeah. graps. Yeah. It's going to be like a whole teaser of stuff. It'll be fantastic. <laughs> So at FightfulSelect.com, you go check that out, subscribe. Like I said, you have Alex who's there. You have Steven Jensen who takes over all sorts of non-WWE programming as well. Sean does a bunch of stuff. He does Q&A sessions with about 150,000 questions a session. It's amazing. Go check that out. And if you, you guys and gals here in the chat live here tonight, if you have a question, you can drop us a super chat. And we'll read your question or comment or statement on air, such as DJ Cass just left us a super chat. says, how great is that pay-per-view? How great is it that a pay-per-view, excuse me, actually ends early? Well, I mean, this, right, Alex, this has been the formula of NXTs for a while now. They they start at 7 7 p.m., small amount of matches, and they usually are able to fit everything within two and a half to three hours. I mean, this is this is something that we're used to by now, but it always, I agree with DJ Cass. It always feels nice.
2: Oh, it's always very nice. Um, I, I like that a lot. There was uh, some consternation that it might change with the new, you know, uh, format of them being a third and equal brand. Well, that means we've got to do our pay-per-views differently, um, but they've always like had, you know, five matches and the matches always get enough time, but rarely too much um and so it's like it's perfect there's not play like oh well that was that was quick and pointless um everything's got a nice build to it and yeah, everything was great but like if you're gonna bookend uh, a format show and those two matches that are bookending it are war games matches you, you got a lot of time to spend on doing those matches everything else felt just the right amount of time as well
1: we started let's start off we're gonna start talking about the pre-show surprise surprise this time yeah. around we ended up getting a match well first and foremost we learned on the pre-show that Mia Yim was taken out yep. by a mystery assailant we would soon find out who was this this mysterious person who, yeah. uh, who who took out the HBIC uh but there was a lot of concern and uh and it turns out uh, as they're sending her into the ambulance Rhea Ripley turns around uh, uh, or actually grabs Dakota Kai, who was accompanying Mia Yim. They had sort of formed a bond over the past couple of weeks. Mm. She, uh, Dakota Kai was about to accompany Mia Yim to the hospital when Stephen Regal to the,
2: to, was, the lo- to the local medical center. Oh,
1: excuse me, to the local medical center, of course. When uh, Lord Stephen William Regal was there and basically told uh, uh, um, uh, Rhea Ripley, "Look, you got to make an executive decision right now because you're about to go on." She grabs Dakota Kai and says, "Look." It's enough. You you're coming with us. Mm-hmm. Interesting little setup. I you know I like it when they do little things like this with the pre show. Makes you want to watch because it, it it feel it feels like if if you don't watch it you're gonna miss out on something that's important for the rest of the show.
2: Yeah. No. You they they're gonna they want us they want you to tune in to watch this. Um. So you know they're going to. Um. I mean I think it's a it's a wise decision to to do something like this on the pre show. The pre shows used to be throwaway because they were taped ahead of the matches that were taped for the following Wednesday. But now Wednesday's live, so you don't get to do those taped matches before the takeover. So they had one Um and they did that. But I I, I think that that was really um, a good de- decision to put it there when they did it. Also, incredibly well executed. Like even the framing of the shots, where certain characters were standing um, it was all really, really well done. The the the, the medical staff even looked official. Mm-hmm. They didn't look like indie wrestlers put in some uniform. It looked <laughs> like they were real medics. Sure. Um like all that was all well done. Regal being very, very like um like like a businessman about it, like he's concerned for Mia Yim, but we got a show to do. Like, and so what are you gonna do? And Rhea Ripley having to be at like what, twenty-three years old? Mm-hmm. Be somebody who's absolutely in charge of stuff? That's a great development for her character as well. All of this was incredibly well put together we'll get to like how the whole thing turned out, but this chapter in this story was incredibly well told i I, I can't say enough about how great this whole thing was all through the night
1: and, and I agree, and it gives you well let's say let you put that kind of show on your pre, your that kind of thing on your pre show makes you want to watch the rest as we've been telling as opposed to like. Yeah. Michael Nakazawa versus (laughs) Alex Jabaley. We had a match, though, as I was uh, starting to move into. We did have a match, a surprise match. Isaiah Swerve Scott defeated Angel. uh, No, excuse me. It's the other way around. Angel Garza defeated Isaiah Swerve Scott in a fun little match, a great warm up. There was a lot of back and forth between the the both. There was that Topekun Hilo into a Hurricane Rana to the, well, of course, to the outside by swerve which was a little scary but yeah. uh was fantastic nonetheless um there was a springboard reverse suplex by garza which was really really nice um and uh garza spring uh, also hit another great spot where he sp- he springs out the top rope in what looked like a sunset bomb but he end it ended up re- uh, transitioning into a sit out power bomb that was cool as hell Garza flies off the top ropes while Scott is on the apron on the outside and Scott catches him on his shoulders into a fireman's carry and slams him onto the apron. There was some great, great spots here, but Garza rips off his pants and wins with the wing clipper. You got to see this, Alex. What are your thoughts?
2: Uh, I, I, I really, really love both of these guys. I'm not a huge fan of angel Garza's finishing move. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Like, Putting the guy's head under your armpit and making him sit on his butt really hard is a weird finishing move when there are so many other things he could be doing. Um, but I really love both of these guys. Uh, I really love Swerve Scott. Like I said, I've been a huge fan of his since uh, he was Kill Shot in Lucha Underground because I was a Lucha Underground mark at the time. Uh, and uh, yeah, I really love both of these guys. They're both their trajectory is both going upward so it's difficult for me to watch either of these guys lose this match. But I, but I, I feel like Swerve Scott's going to win a match on Wednesday and be right back on his winning track. Like these guys, I feel like are moving up the the mid card and that's good for both of them. Uh very entertaining match kind of out of the blue. It would have been nice if it was like a, this is you get a, a future North American title shot or a future cruiserweight title shot. Cause both the guys are under the limit. It would have been kind of cool if there like was a stakes involved like, we picked these two rising stars, and one of them's going to get a title shot, whoever wins. That might have been nice, but I, overall, I have no complaints. a very good match.
1: It was a great exhibition. It was a great match to get the audience warmed up, get us into it. It's a good, good idea to put it on your pre-show. But then yeah. the real show starts. A, no, the pre-show's still part of the real show. The main card. No, no. Let, get no. your act together, Warren. Team Rhea Ripley versus Team Defeated. Team Shayna Baszler in a wild, wild, wild match starts off with Eo uh, Shirai and Candice LeRae, hearkening back to their history. EO just can I can I just sure. say what a,
2: a, a perfect selection for those two to start Absolutely. the
1: match.
2: They've already they've already got so much history. Uh, they had that amazing match of the year contender. Um like they're, they're it's perfect to sew up more of their storyline, which could for all we know continue beyond this match. Uh I love that it's that they get five minutes alone in the in the double ring to shine. And Eo Shirai made all the uh, made so much use of both rings, like more than anybody else in either Wargames match. I thought it was great.
1: So they both uh, they both hit the ring. Actually, uh Shirai goes in first, cackling the whole, the whole way, the whole way down, and gets into it with um, with uh, Candice Lerae. Uh, she hits a pair of six one nines on Lerae early on, and she jumps on the top rope, walks to the other one, and springs springboards off with a missile drop kick, which which is all Io Shirai. Uh, I was kind of worried for a moment during the initial part of the uh, of the proceedings here when the audience started doing the Royal Rumble countdown. You know where they started doing the three, two, one eh, thing for no apparent reason, uh, and it sort of took me back to Seth Rollins versus um, uh, Dolph Ziggler, and I was hoping that wasn't going to ha- happen, but it didn't. And you know why? Because the action in the ring was fantastic. Bianca mm-hmm. Belair comes in next, and she she hits a double underhook face crusher on uh, on Candice, her standing shooting star pl- press. Uh, she was fantastic out of the get-go. LeRay tries to fight back, but Belair pastes her with a forearm, and then Candace eats two power bombs, then gets bombed into the cage. Uh, Candace Larray essentially, at this point, is eating crap. I'm still being careful because yeah. we don't have that much of a that that, that much mm-hmm. of a tip jar, uh, a swear jar built up yet. But she's she's not having a good time right now, Alex.
2: Uh, no, she's, she's, this is, this is what I love about it. Uh, I thought it was really interesting that you pick somebody like Candice LeRae, who fans of hers for years know that she's as tough as they come. Mm -hmm. But, um, the person who goes in the ring first from the babyface side is going to be in there alone versus two people for, for, for a while. And that person has got to have to eat some crap. And it was nice that they said, Candice, you can handle that. Go ahead and go in there and get worked over by Bianca Belair after taking Io Shirai's best shots for five minutes. That was pretty cool.
1: Rhea Ripley is is next for her team, and uh, she spends a substantial amount of her her time getting plunder into the ring. Some trash cans, some kendo sticks, a bunch of chairs. And eventually when she does get in, she starts beating up Bianca Belair. Rhea and Candice set up some chairs. They tease driving Bianca through them, but uh, it just doesn't happen. Kaylee Ray comes in next. She gets some more tears, some more chairs, excuse me. Rhea, uh, while she was pulling out the plunder, the audience was chanting for tables. So when Kaylee Ray comes, she teases pulling out a table, but she doesn't, because she's a heel, Alex.
2: Yeah, she's she's a heel. Uh, I I like that. Obviously, the tables were reserved for stuff that happened in the men's match later that night they didn't want to do too many table spots otherwise those other ones weren't going to work the major, the finish of the entire show would have been lessened if there had been all kinds of tables being used in the women's match i thought this was uh really well done by kaylee ray but i also thought they 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 proved last night with that amazing finish the triple threat of rhea ripley how smart she it is, is. of of being able to figure out, oh, if I come in here, I'll get the crucifix pin on Charlotte. She can't kick out because her legs are all entwined with Sasha's. It's one of the smartest things I've ever seen a wrestler do in the moment. So you have three minutes when you're out there before the the next person comes in to to, to to re-skew the odds, and you spend two of those three minutes toss some crap into the ring. That's not very smart, but I understand that she's, you know, rage filled at this pump at this moment. I, I but I love I love just I just love Rhea Ripley so much. We're going to talk more about her, but she's so great right oh, now. I
1: know we're going to talk more about her. There's a tower of doom, Alex. Yeah, I I, I, I mean the, the Look. I, the, the, I tore my shirt. I tore my shirt. This is a spare shirt that I have. That because I tore the one I was wearing, because I, I've decided, Alex, that every time there's a Tower of Doom on WWE programming, I'm going to tear off a shirt, and then I'm going to send the bill to WWE, and they're going to, and at some point, they're going to realize that their bottom line is being affected, because I'm tearing off my shirts constantly, because they're constantly putting on Towers of Doom, so they're going to stop.
2: Well, I mean, like, I know you have the thing with the tearing the shirts, and Sean says another dove cries and whatnot. I think it's one of those things where you just have to accept they're gonna do one of these in every one of no! these matches and move no! on. Move on! No,
1: I expect better. Towers of right. Doom are stupid. And why, why does the person executing the Tower of Doom, why does that person bump Alex? It doesn't it uh, doesn't work.
2: That's that's the one thing. If they switch that up and the person who did the Tower of Doom immediately went for pinfalls? Then, then I'd be okay with I will it because say, they just, they bumped everybody. I will say the problem this, with this one specifically is that Candice LeRae, Rhea Ripley's own teammate, took the worst bump out of everybody. So you basically effectively eliminated her from from the from helping you in this match for like five and minutes.
1: That's because Sowers of Doom are stupid. But I will say that, the, that Bianca Belair's 450 immediately after was
2: spectacular. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. She's she's so good. Now
1: we're we're oh sorry, finish your thought. Go ahead,
2: finish finish. No,
1: I'm moving on because we're at that moment. Yeah, please.
2: Well, we'll talk more about the matches the whole band.
1: We're at that moment. Yeah, Dakota Kai is next up moment. on the uh, is next up on the list. They open up the cage. She steps out. She stops, turns around, and proceeds to <clears throat> and um, I'm going to do it this time. Beat the shit out of Tegan Knox. She yep. wails on her. She slams the door against her surgically repaired knees. Removes the brace. The officials come out. William Regal comes out. She attacks William Regal. Who no-sells. But attacks him nonetheless. And this goes on for a substantial amount of time, Alex. Yeah. While in yeah. the meantime, very smartly... WWE is showing us the women in the ring, and they're they're stunned. They don't understand what's going stunned. on. Right. Alex, break this down for us, but this is one of the best heel turns in recent mm-hmm. memory. All wrestling promotions put together.
2: Yeah, you you and I both knew this was coming. Everybody kind of saw this coming. I mean, um, but that's fine it doesn't like the whole thing is that everything has to be a surprise from out of nowhere is stupid like if it if it serves the narrative um if the and ever it it, there's nothing better than 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 knowing this oh, man i i can't see how how this is going to happen not you know oh that was weird i never saw that coming but oh the way that was executed was so flawless it was just great all the stuff from Dakota Kai like tagging along with Rhea Ripley, every time she would, like, go to the main roster to pick a fight, you always felt like Dakota Kai was the little sister in the back who was like, can I come too? And she gets in that – they're getting an eight-woman tag, and she takes the pinfall from Nikki Cross. Like, like, like she's just losing and losing and losing. And, like, there was that moment where she was told, I'm sorry, you're not good enough. You can't be on our team. Mm-hmm. We're going to use Mia Yim. And the hurt in her eyes, like I honestly thought they were gonna do a thing where she was the one who attacked Mia because she wanted to be on the team. And that's it. And she goes and she's a part of this team and whatever. And uh and, and that was that was it. Like she wouldn't and they would the whole who attacked Mia, who attacked me? And when it comes out that it's Dakota Kai. Like she was like she was like okay you got me but I just wanted to be on the team I'm still friends with you guys right because she's been such a uh, like a Bailey figure for so long the idea that she would turn the way she did by trying to end the career of her best friend Tegan Knox on top of everything else not joining Team Baszler because if she had gotten into the ring and then turned she would have joined Team Baszler she would have been a part of that. But she says, no, I don't care about this stupid match. I just want to ruin it for all of you who thought I wasn't good enough to be on your stupid team. Like, you could feel the hurt and the angst within Kodakai. It's a completely different kind of heel turn that I'm just going to be evil now. No, I hate you specific people for screwing me over. I'm not friends with Shayna. Screw Shayna. I hate you people. You, Rhea, you, um, Candice. Mia, I already got rid of her, and you, Tegan, who should have had my back this whole time. When Rhea said, I'm not on the team, you should have said, fine, that I'm not on the team either. That's who Dakota Kai was in this moment. It felt real. It felt visceral. I will say this. It does seem like all the baby faces who they have decided aren't going to get a real shot at beating Shayna have to turn heel. Like, Io had to turn heel, Bianca had to turn heel, although she was in between her the whole mm-hmm. time, but she's definitely... Now she's siding with Shayna. And and uh, and now Dakota Kai, who's never going to have a chance to beat Shayna, you can all be heels, because we're, we've not, we're never going to put you over as a babyface. So we'll let you have fun playing the villain for a while.
1: Speaking of the villain, Shayna Baszler was enjoying this oh, so she, much. She it was it. fantastic. It. I for her reactions while she was in the cage while she was walking down down the ring of course the rest of the match the story was that it was a four on two um i loved rhea ripley stopping kaylee ray's tornado ddt she just she went all the way down but just stopped before actually taking the bump i thought it was great after after taking
2: it before after taking it before that's what i love i love rhea she's like you got that on me once bitch you're not getting on me a second time like that's how she's smart she's not only powerful and c- she's also cunning. I love that about her
1: the uh standing clover the dueling finishing maneuver the uh, not finishing maneuvers but uh submission maneuvers the standing clover leaf on one side with the uh, Rhea Ripley on one corner and then on the opposite corner you have the Kirifuda clutch with uh, Shannon Baszler. I thought that was a cool spot as well Bianca gorilla pressing Candace over the top over uh, from one ring to the other was uh was fantastic as well i Popped when Bianca started whipping. Uh, I think it's Rhea with with her hair. Yep. And then Candice Lerae was like, "Well, I'll just go get some Kendo sticks and started wailing Bianca's selling when she get when got, she gets so wailed good. on by Kendo sticks mm. is fantastic. Also, at some point, Io Shirai climbs up top. Candice Lerae follows her and does a poison rana on, on Kaylee, Kaylee Ray, Ray.
2: Oh, from the God, top. she like, took some of the best bumps. The pro- Kaylee Ray took the best bumps of this match. It was so great. The the Ooh.
1: problem was WWE production didn't give us the poison, Rana. We missed it. We had to get it yeah. on, on replay. replay, and that yeah. bothered me. Production was not on top of it tonight. They they missed a bunch of spots. Yeah, but the match comes to an end when uh, sh- um, when Rhea hits the Riptide onto the ch- onto some chairs on but, 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 Shayna but, 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 pinning Shayna Baszler. For the win, big comeback victory from Rhea Ripley and Candice LeRae, who is tougher than you.
2: Some uh,
1: final thoughts, Alex.
2: Um, the the way the match fully ended with, um, with EO doing a moon salt from the top of the cage onto Candice and Bianca, they're out. They're not a part. All three of them, they're done. Kaylee Ray's been selling in the corner. Uh, Rhea Ripley puts together some chairs, puts a trash can on top of the chairs, and it's going to hit finish her finisher on Shayna Baszler. Kaylee Ray sprints across the ring to do something off the top rope, jumps at Rhea Ripley, who chucks the trash can at Kaylee Ray in the middle of the, of the ring. That was great. Kaylee Ray's out. Then, that because she was distracted by that, Shayna gets the to clutch on uh, Rhea Ripley, and Rhea Ripley then uses the handcuffs that were put on her earlier in the match by Shayna Baszler again point. Chekhov's gun. If you put if you put somebody in handcuffs, at some point they're gonna be handcuffed to something. I did not think she was gonna be handcuffed to Shayna, which allowed her to hit her riptide on Shayna to get the pin. Basically, like at one point throughout this whole match, it was Shayna versus four women. Like not Shayna, Rhea versus four women. And these are all great women. And Rhea's like, okay, you get out of here, you get out of here, boot to you, trash can to your face. Like, like, Rhea Ripley, booked over the past couple of weeks, is as strong as anything I've ever seen in WWE for women. Like, she, she went toe-to-toe with Becky Lynch, there's no reason to think she might not have won that match in NXT. Then, she pins Charlotte Flair in a triple threat with her and Sasha Banks. Then tonight, she's a damn hero in this match. She is, she, at that moment... At that moment, she was the biggest potential star in wrestling. Mm -hmm. She still can be. Don't let this fall by the wayside. The fact that she pinned Shayna Baszler is a a very, very good sign. If it leads to her being NXT champion, great. It can lead to so much more than that. Rhea Ripley has the charisma and the amazing in-ring ability. To, To stand over Becky Lynch at WrestleMania... This coming WrestleMania in April, and hold the Raw Women's Championship over her head, and be a huge, huge star, because it would—Becky would, Lynch would have put her over. It would—it would have cemented everything. You don't let like, oh well, she's got a title match versus Shayna and she lost it, and now Rhea Ripley's back in the midcard. Like, don't you dare! She's white hot. You have to push her to the moon
1: right now. And it's really crazy when you think about just two and a half, close to 3 years ago when she was in the Mae Young Classic, the Australian girl, all smiles and all and the transformation she's had since the Mae Young Classic 2 is ridiculous. Yeah. It's she's, it's been the it's been the best move. It's and everything has translated perfectly for her since. Yeah, she's She's, she's got it. She's got it. Yep. And so young and so, so young. Yeah. She's got years to give years to give Aaron. uh, Jay's fan left us a super chat says rest in peace. Team kick. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Rob Wilkins say uh, also uh, gave us a super chat saying weird, but very cool showing Britt Baker hashtag dentists. You know, if you, you should have used the proper hashtag. and hashtag. She's a dentist, but it's all right. Um, yeah, we'll get to that a little later, but um but yeah, it was a, a I I don't know how planned it was. I don't know if it was really just like a a production flub just just showing someone who's reacting to, oh my god, is Adam Cole dead without really knowing who that person is? I don't know. Pete Dunne defeated Damian Priest and Killian Dane to earn a title shot tomorrow evening at Survivor Series for the NXT Championship against Adam Cole. This was a Good physical uh, power spot match. I dug this a great deal. Um, you have Priest who gets some uh, who gets some early strong offense on Killian Dane, but Dunn gets in some of his some of his own as well. Dane dumps Priest to the outside, um, uh, and uh, Dunn then goes for some joint manipulation on our boy Dane but Priest then comes back in and forearms both guys down and his forearms are so so good. Uh Killian Dane hits a Michinoku driver. He has he hits a Michinoku driver on Pete Dunn onto Damian Priest's face, Alex. <laughs> on his face.
2: On his face, on the face. Oh god, it was great.
1: My god. Dane was on a roll here. He hit a combination Samoan drop, fallaway slam with both guys at the same time. Dunn uh, then hits a series of great hard-hitting offense that ends with a snap suplex from uh, from Dunn on Killian Dane, which was really, really good. Um, there's uh, there's all sorts of fantastic stuff. You have uh, Damian Priest hitting a razor's edge on uh, Pete Dunn to the commentary table then dane topes onto priest then cannonballs uh, onto priest through the barricade um then damian priest razor's edges killian dane off the top rope it, alex this match felt like i was playing uh wwf royal rumble in 1996 and all i was doing was the big power moves this was this was nuts
2: this was nuts. Um, it was also, uh, it, was, it was one of those great triple threat uh, matches where they don't rely on, oh, one guy got hit and he's out of the match for five minutes while the other two guys do moves to each other. And whoops, the third guy miraculously came in to break up a pinfall. Then he chucks one other guy in there and now it's two different guys going at it for five minutes. No no no. These guys were in the ring and outside the ring doing moves to each other, the three of them, over and over again. Occasionally one guy would get like chucked across a table or something, but he'd always recover. Like this was this was actually a, a like a low-key great great match. Like I did not expect this from these three guys. I thought it was going to be a pretty cool 14-minute match. It was like it went a full 20 And these guys were doing, they were pulling out all the stops to do great stuff to each other. And Pete Dunne did not look out of place against these two dudes who were much, much bigger than him.
1: Um, there's, uh, one of the, one of the, the stories, cause there were a couple of tales that were being told here. One of them being Damien Priest, not knowing what to do to put either guy away because he was hitting the Falcon arrows. He was hitting the, uh, uh, the, uh, South of, um, uh, South of heaven. He did everything to try and put the guys away and he couldn't, there was even this moment where he Frankensteiner's done onto P on uh, done onto Killian Dane, then hits a pair of cyclone kicks immediately after And he can't do it because Dane breaks up the pin.
0: What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify?
1: I thought that was a nice touch here to the um, to the to the match. The end comes when uh, Pete Dunne hits the bitter end on Priest, but it, again the pin is broken up by Killian Dane, who gets Dunne up onto his shoulders into a and Dunne then gets a sleeper hold locked in. He and then Dane Samoan drops Dunne onto a fallen Damian Priest. Dunne just shoves uh, uh, Dane out of the ring. Grabs the legs, covers Priest for the win. I like the ending because, like I said, part of the story here was they're trying, they're pulling all of their power moves. Nothing is working. Bit of a sneaky win for Dunn. And I think, in the context of this story, it worked really well.
2: Yeah, I, I was frankly quite surprised to see Dunn uh, when I thought they were going to push Priest. Um, I didn't think he was gonna win versus Adam Cole, but I thought it'd be a pretty really cool like heel versus heel with uh, Cole fighting from underneath for for some of it. But um, uh, but Pete Dunn deserves this. I mean, he's a, a great competitor. Yeah. He was the he was the NXT UK, UK champion for I think six and a half years. So like like uh, he's amazing. Uh, he like his his run in NXT UK was basically like it's like in the in the, the longest title reigns. The thing was like Bruno Martino, Pete Dunne, like that's how long he held the NXT UK belt. So, like if a miracle happened and he became NXT, UK, NXT champion tomorrow, like he's certainly got the the pedigree for it. Um, and they love Pete Dunne. They they love that kid. They should. He's also another very young guy. It's cool that he got this win. Him and and Adam Cole are going to they're going to put it. To themselves, they're going to say, "Tomorrow, in this, in this, all this stuff. We're going to get Brock versus Ray, and and the Fiend versus Daniel Bryan. Let's you and I go out and have the the singles match, not all the triple threats and all the giant things, but, but of those three, mm-hmm. champion versus champion versus contender. Let's have the best one. I think they got it sewn up in the bag, really, because whoever, whatever, whatever they're going to do with the Fiend and and Daniel Bryan is going to be all kinds of smoke and mirrors." And let's be honest; it's probably just going to be Ray Mysterio wailing on Brock Lesnar for a for a while with a pipe, and then whoops, F five, whoops, you're pinned, Rey. So I think that Adam Cole and and Pete Dunn have a lot to prove, and they're going to prove it tomorrow.
1: I'm, and as we said, as when we were talking about it on Wednesday, uh, you know, maybe Damian Priest would have been a good idea because he feels very more main roster e. Yeah, but I'm okay with Pete Dunn getting a big. I love Pete uh, Dunn. He,
2: he's fine with me Uh, yeah
1: I'm 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 good with him getting a pay-per-view payday this uh, on Sunday was announced that on fifth on September February 16 that was a Warrenism. if you ever heard one February 16 takeover Portland is going to be our next stop for the NXT brand as far as pay-per-views go
2: that's that's Oregon. Yes, not Maine. No, Portland, okay. Oregon. <laughs> that's a that's a that's a cool town. They uh, I grew up uh, uh, an hour and a half south of there. That's um, that's a very cool town. They do love their wrestling up there in the Northwest. I'm. It's really cool. They're getting a takeover. It's interesting that they're they're. It appears to be that they're divesting NXT from the Royal Rumble weekend, so that all so the best guys from there and girls. I'm assuming can be in the Royal Rumble without having to, like, you know, have killed themselves the night before? I'm not sure. But it seems odd that they would have one on the 16th and also one the the uh, the night before the Royal Rumble. But I don't know if that's been confirmed yet. Um, but there was talk of them moving away from the NXT mm-hmm. as part of the big weekend stuff. Um, if this is the case, um, I'm, I'm okay with it. Uh, I I think it's interesting to, to have them own a weekend again.
1: Well, like we... Uh, you- it would make sense just in the logic of saying that NXT is indeed a third brand, not the yeah. not not the developmental brand, not the uh, upcoming not the upcomers. If it is a third brand and your pay-per-views include your brands, then it would make sense for NXT to show up on your main pay-per-views. Maybe not all of them, but, you know, mm-hmm. at least the big four. Yeah, it would make sense. Finn Balor defeated Matt Riddle in Finn's first big return to NXT. Love the change to his entrance, Alex, when mm-hmm. where when he does when he used to do his pose, the yep. house lights would come on so that the audience would get in on it, but tonight he did his pose, what happened? Just one shower of light on top of him. Small yep. detail, but he's a heel now and it's all about yeah. the prince.
2: Yeah, no, I I also enjoyed that. Um, uh, that that's the little little things that 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 can really change a character.
1: There's a, there's a lot of fun back and forth happening in this match to start off. Uh, Finn Balor getting a chance to show show off a bit of his grappling chops here. Um, this was a this was a fine match. I love the, uh, the 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 struggle uh, for um, for uh, Matt Riddle to get a German suplex on Balor. He was doing everything in his power to uh, to not. Not get thrown around. I, you know what I like about Matt Riddle. I like how he doesn't. He's not afraid to play dirty, and this is clearly MMA. His MMA background that he's translating into wrestling. But you know, he uses the most of his four count before breaking a, a hold. And when he does break a hold, he'll get a shot in. And he's the baby face, and I'm okay with it. I like the fact that he, you know, he'll just he'll let go of the hold. The referee sort of has to pull him off. And as he's, as the referee's pulling him off, he'll. He'll just give Finn Balor a boot to the head and just for good measure. I like that.
2: Yeah, that's, that's, I'm fine with that too. I mean, this is the the whole thing started because this, this thing started because Finn attacked Matt Riddle Um, after, after the whole thing, they wanted to do one with him and Johnny, uh, but Johnny got hurt. So they had to do something instead. And the way they set up the thing instead Was by having Finn attack Matt Riddle for no reason, Mm -hmm. randomly. So Matt Riddle still pissed at him about that. So I love that Matt like holds a grudge. I think that's a that's he's for being such a chill dude. He's so not chill, (laughs) you know. (laughs) I like that.
1: Absolutely. Uh, The uh, there's a jackhammer by Matt Riddle, which uh, which gets some Riddle chants in the audience, which I thought was hilarious. Balor hits an inverted 1916. There's a GTS by Riddle. The floating bro gets knees. While uh, Riddle avoids the coup de grace, but uh ends up, but Finn Balor ends up winning with the straight up 1916 or bloody Sunday, whatever you want to call it. He's a I guess he's a heel now, so he brings back the nasty, nasty finisher. I kind of popped. I liked it. This was, a, this was a fine match. Nothing out of the ordinary, nothing. There were not, Definitely not a match of the year, but a very solid, good match that served its purpose, Alex.
2: Yeah, there was a lot of, uh, you know, interesting grappling work, which I've never thought of Finn Balor as being, you know, a, a grappler, like a chain wrestler. Um, he held his own, but I, I, I felt like it was belying who Matt Riddle is. Like Matt Riddle, if you say, Matt Riddle, um, here's what we're going to do for your match versus Goldberg. You're going to get in there and you're going to German suplex Goldberg 15 times, hit a jackhammer, and win. Like, if if, if that's what they asked him to do, he would do it, and you believe it because he's incredibly strong. The idea that Matt Riddle is struggling to German suplex 175-pound Finn Balor once is, like, that's not who Matt Riddle is. Like, you could have, like, Finn slither out, but the idea that, like, Oh, I just can't get this guy up! Like that—that that would never happen. So there's ways of building this match that actually utilizes who you have in it in a little a little better. I think Matt Riddle's was incredibly talented. He he did what they asked him to do. What they asked him to do was not not great. Um, uh, but there was no way Finn was losing this. His first match in NXT, not a chance. It says a lot that they trusted Matt Riddle to have this match with him. But they also know Matt Riddle losing to Finn Balor in Finn Balor's first match isn't going to do anything to Matt Riddle's momentum because he's a bona fide star. Um, I think that they're still planning on having a big-time Johnny Gargano versus Finn Balor clash. That's going to be the main thing. And I think you're going to see a longer, more involved, more high-spotty type match between, um, uh, not high-spot, but like big big big-time moves, comebacks, and stuff like that that Between Finn and Johnny, this was kind of a placeholder. They had to get Finn on the card, and Matt did his job. And the match was – there's nothing wrong with it, but Finn, Matt Riddle could German suplex Finn Balor into the sun if you wanted to.
1: And, I mean, the, the match position for, – for its position on the card, it was perfect. It did exactly what yeah. it had to do. It, its yeah, job, it was a cool-down match. Its job was not to steal the show. It came after the wargames match. I thought that the triple threat coming after the war games match was very dangerous, but the guys put on a fantastic match. So this was the match where you sort of have to go, yep. before we moved into the men's war game match. And remember, gals and guys, if you want to leave us a question or a comment, super chat it, and I'll, leave, I'll read it on air. So let's get into it. The big one. main event: Team Champa defeated. Team Undisputed Era in the men's war game match with Tommaso Ciampa coming out with Kratos face paint, the god of war himself. And when Ciampa comes out, he just walks straight out, takes his mask off so we can all, so he can reveal, he can really reveal his face paint and just hits the ring. No discussion with Dijak, nothing with Lee. They all figured it out in the back like pros instead of chatting yep. amongst themselves like no, I'm starting and everyone's like that's that's cool and he just hits the ring and he hits the ring and we don't know who the fourth person is on the team Alex the the match just starts
2: yeah, I understand that they wanted to save it for the for the thing but the idea that that I mean I think that the the, the match like begins. Not the the actual match, I know, begins when all, all four of each team are in there. We, uh, but the. But the match begins when everybody else is in the cage. Like, if the guy's not in the cage, then that guy's not part of the match. I mean, I, I feel like that's just the way it's got to work. But it's, it's, it's a, I, I understand why they did it. I'm okay with it. But you, you establish the rules, then you break them. I got to call you out on it. That's just the way I work. And
1: were the officials briefed on this beforehand? Because I mean, they yeah. have to give the signal. But yeah. they were they were uh, looking I'll... around they were looking behind they were going is there someone else? No. Nope. Well, we'll just lock up the cage and go. Maybe that is what how they were briefed. Maybe Regal told them, uh, look, if uh, no one comes, uh you just start the match and you lock them up. You lock up who's there and you start the match." Maybe that's what maybe that's how they're briefed. <laughs> Hopefully not. Um Roderick Strong decides that he's taken over for undisputed era, like he just goes
2: I, I like Cole was about to do was like no, no 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 I'll do it. No. I'll do Adam. It. I got this yeah. because he's Roddy Week Strong and he's he's a white knight for all of his all of his buddies. I love it. And he's such a dork. He is he's such he, a dork. He's such a great dude He's big coming dork. down to
1: the ring and you can hear them hear the the camera pick it up, pick him up and he's like, You're gonna get it. You're gonna get <laughs> it, Champa. you're gonna get it. And I'm like he's such an adorable nerd.
2: Yeah, he really he is. He tries
1: so hard, and I really feel like he's leaning into that character, and I'm I'm here for that. Yeah, it's great. Um so Ciampa goes in with some real hard strikes at first, but uh Roderick Strong gets out of the fairy tale ending and uh, a fairy tale ending attempt with a double knee gut buster, and that really turns the tide uh, early on in the match. Kyle O'Reilly is next in and he goes right in for some classic, classic groundwork. Roderick hits the uh, hits uh, those uh, running forearms while Kyle O'Reilly is holding Champa uh, against the top rope, which is just—it's such a fantastic spot. He must have hit like eight or nine of them consecutively. I love love that spot. Um, and then they just they just start ganging up on Champa. Champa just crumbles, and they just they start picking at him. There, it's fantastic. Jack is next, and I'm I'm going down the Sean Ross Sap route. I'm calling him Jack moving and moving forward until they shorten mm-hmm. his yep. name to something else. Uh, he starts striking uh, Kyler Riley down uh, onto his back. Uh, he hits a launching suplex on Kyler Riley onto Roderick Strong. Roderick Strong chops Dominic DiJack, who no sells it, which is a big deal because you know we talk about Walters chops. We even talk about Tyler Bates chops. We don't talk enough about. Roderick Strong's chops. Let's not forget, it is Roderick Strong's chopping of Daniel Bryan's chest that turned it into hamburger, and mm-hmm. and got infected. So Daniel Bryan wasn't clear to wrestle for like a week or two after that. Yep. Um. So uh, we got to we have Kyle Riley uh, Kylo Riley bouncing off the ropes into forearms by. Dijakovic over and over again. That was a fun spot. He's just bouncing off of the ropes and Dijak just keeps forearming him back and he bounces off. It's, it's so classic. I think we need to take a moment here to talk about Kyle O'Reilly, how fantastic he is as a wrestler. But here's a guy who understands that very, very delicate balance between being a very serious, uh, 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 competitive wrestler and the, the comedy over the over the top stuff. He knows yeah. perfectly how to balance it. There's another guy who comes to mind who's able to do that. His name is Chris Jericho. Yeah, uh, sure. O'Reilly in the ring, you know, coming down to the ring, doing the air guitar, the facial expressions, but by God, when it's time to turn it up, O'Reilly is all business.
2: I, um, uh, Kyle O'Reilly is an absolute goofball. And I believe that he could kick me hard enough in the back of my knee... <laughs> That I would die eleven days later from internal bleeding, like he's nuts in the ring, but he's also a complete goofball. And I, I love, I love both of those sides to him, and I love that they, they exist in a delicate balance. He's, he's really, really, really special, like he really is. I, I, I don't, I don't think he's like, I mean, I don't know. I'm sure he could do it if they asked him to, but I don't, I don't know that his ceiling is anything above, like maybe a singles mid card champ at some point. But I don't know if, if that maybe a singles mid-card champ is even a higher ceiling than member of one of the greatest tag teams of all time. Sure. Like, like that's, that's probably higher than maybe a one-time U.S. champ at some point. But if you ask him to do whatever you want, like, Calo Reilly, do this. He's like, I will do that, and I will do it at a 9.5 out of 10 quality because he's really, really great. Really great.
1: Robert Poisson is next in, and he kicks Champa down. a Champa and DiJack down. He hits a uh, or Roderick Strong hits a rope-assisted double underhook backbreaker on Champa, which was really good. There's a chasing the dragon that happens next, and then Keith Lee hits the ring. He double leapfrogs Kyle O'Reilly and Fish, and then hits a double cross body on both of them. Then he slingshot body presses himself onto O'Reilly and Fish again. It actually took all three members of the Undisputed Era in the ring to take Keith Lee down. You know, we're talking a lot about the push that, uh, the rub that Adam Cole is getting over the past couple of weeks. Uh, 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 um, Morrow even called him Mr. November tonight. Uh, Rhea Ripley as well. Keith Lee's getting some shine here. uh, Up against face-to-face with Braun Strowman last night on SmackDown is, that's not Insignificant?
2: No, certainly not. Keith Lee. I mean, unless you know he's—he seemed to be one of the guys who made it out relatively unscathed from the match tonight. So I'm assuming he'll probably be on Team NXT um, tomorrow, and they owe us an actual confrontation between Keith Lee and and Braun Strowman in the match tomorrow night, which hopefully builds to another confrontation. At, in the Royal Rumble between Keith Lee and Braun Strowman, where they eliminate each other from the Royal Rumble, and then at WrestleMania, instead of um, Braun Strowman like bench-pressing Saturday Night Live members, he'll actually have an awesome knockdown down drag-out Haas battle with Keith Lee in the undercard of WrestleMania, and that will be my m- match of the night. Um, th- I love Keith Lee. I think it's amazing the way they're presenting him. They kind of like he he showed up and he was like kind of there like he had some matches he lost some matches but he's white hot now too and you can really push him I feel like it might be a cool thing to like have the the UEs all their reigns end on the same night like a, a clean sweep where they all get pushed pushed out of the top spots in the company and the guy I think to beat Roderick Strong should be Keith Lee. I think that'd be a kind of. Cool, I think he'd be a great North American champion, and a lot of cool guys he could have matches with. That are right there, positioned to have matches yeah,
1: with. Yeah, I agree. Adam Cole is out next, and he gets the tables. He even sets one out on the outs, up on the outside, which is odd concerning the rules. But uh, yeah. but he still gets he gets uh, drilled through it by Tommaso Ciampa just as he's trying to get into uh, into the ring. And then they're all in the ring. There's a standoff. And the fourth man appears after some suspense. Alex. Mm -hmm. Kevin Owens. And he comes out, Alex. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And the place comes unglued. Yep. I don't think. I think this year, aside from. Stone Cold Steve Austin coming out at Madison Square Garden this year. I don't mm-hmm. think I heard a louder pop in a WWE. No, the the
2: arena. No The All State Arena uh the pop was so loud they tore a hole in the space-time continuum. Like like that was that was nuts. Um they 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 love him very much, um, as they should. He's an NXT god. He was there for a very, very short time and was a monster the whole time he was there. And in my opinion, never really used properly on the main roster. That's why. Um, Maybe aside uh, from
1: to, the, the Jericho friendship, I would agree. Yeah.
2: Yes, I would. I would. Ag- I would ag- that that interplay was great. But he was the U.S. Uh, champion for a lot of that and like ran from dudes. He was scared of people no, 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 like he, Kevin. He oh. was universal yeah.
1: champion.
2: I, I understand he was universal. Uh, that's what I meant. Universal champion at the time but he was like he would have feuds with the guys where he would like run away from them like he would he would always like win mean. matches via like Jericho interfering like Kevin Owens the guy in NXT wasn't scared of anybody like he, you put any four guys in the ring with Kevin Owens like I'm going to murder each and every one of you I'm going to murder you and make you three watch then I'm going to murder the three of you at the same time that's who Kevin Owens was in NXT and at the main roster they because they book heels like chicken shits no matter who they are that's what they did So that's why Triple H's promo to Kevin Owens resonated so much with all of us who love Kevin Owens and want him to be something special. And that's why uh, him showing up tonight gives us the possibility that Kevin Owens listened to that promo and said, you're right, I'm coming back to NXT. And if he's on Team NXT tomorrow, if he's jumped ship from Raw to NXT, this will all be worth it. However... If he's on Team Raw tomorrow night, and this was all for one thing, just because, then it's stupid and and anticlimactic, and also stupid.
1: Well, regardless, he's here. They kind of they, they they What I liked is that they sub they very subtly teased it on Monday. You know, with Triple H trying to get him over to the to their side, mm-hmm. and Undisputed Era attacking. He wasn't part of the Raw attack. Last night on uh, on nope. SmackDown, so I I it makes to me it makes sense. I get what you're saying. We'll see what happens tomorrow evening. Ultimately, but all yeah. of this makes sense to me. Um, there's a there's a lot of high flying spots, especially from the bigger guys. Uh, there's um, at some point um, Adam Cole tries to hit a Panama Sunrise on Kevin Owens, and I it didn't quite work out as the as they wanted, sort of turned out to be like more of a sunset bomb, but okay. Strong hits an Olympic slam off the second turnbuckle with 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 Keith Lee on his shoulders. That that was fantastic. I love that Kevin Owens teased the package pile driver and that he even pulled out his uh, some sleeper suplexes stuff he doesn't get to use all that much on main. That yeah. was really nice. Um, but let's let's just go right in. Let's do it. Everyone is dead in the ring because uh, because uh, um, Kevin Owens hit a frog splash onto Kyle O'Reilly who had who was on a table holding on to Dominic Dijak via armbar. So they all died yep.
2: there. Uh, Ke- Dijak had previously uh, chokeslammed uh, Roderick Strong off the top rope through a table. Correct. So Strong's out of the way. Keith Lee yeah.
1: powerbombed Bobby Fish from the second turnbuckle through a table. And then Adam Cole and Tommaso Ciampa are up on top of the cage. Uh Tommaso Ciampa clasps onto Adam Cole and starts to stand up full, straight. And the first thing that comes into my mind is, please don't die. Uh They set themselves up. And Tommaso Ciampa hits an air raid crash off the top of the cage. On Adam Cole, through a table, falls on top of him, gets the pin. I'm going to lead into your comments here with a super chat from Shmink Scheider. I hope I pronounced that correctly. says, I'm late getting here, but why did Cole have to be the one to take that spot? How is he supposed to wrestle tomorrow? The floor is yours, Mr. Pulowski.
2: Well, I mean, if you watch it, uh, Tommaso Ciampa, and, and both, both he and, and Cole are consummate pro wrestlers. They know how to do this stuff. It's always dangerous, but if you watch the way Ciampa does it, he's got Cole's cradled up against him. The, the, he lands really, really well through those two tables, it, it, right in the middle of the tables. Like Ciampa could not have positioned that fall better. It's an incredibly ill-advised spot. With all the time being invested into Cole recently, he's your champion. This isn't for the and title. And not just Cole. Uh, Tommaso Ciampa just came no, no, back no, no.
1: from neck surgery. His neck is reconstructed.
2: Not, like with Ciampa's injury history, that's one. Two is the fact that Adam Cole is your is your champion of of your of your entire company, your entire brand. He's got a, a championship defense tomorrow night, and this isn't for the title. So it wouldn't be like if Ciampa pins him and, you know, Adam Cole's got six broken ribs, you can't just go, well, now Ciampa's the title and we'll just keep Cole off TV for a while. The whole thing was ill-advised. It was done as safely as it possibly could have been and executed to perfection. I I would not have signed off on it were I the person saying, you know, signing off on things. But the fact that they did it perfectly, maybe it means it's okay um yeah this is this sets up perfectly to Maso Champa to being the one who's going to come after Goldie. That was the thing they were going to do before war games anyway it, this is him getting the pinfall on Adam Cole in war games makes perfect sense. uh, you move on from there uh yeah that that spot was insane.
1: This is the kind of spot that they are going to play over and over again. oh this is one where <clears throat> ten years from now. We are going to be retro reviewing this, and we're going to be saying this is the the war games where Champa air, air air raid crashed coal through a table off of the cage, off of the war games cage. This is this is one of those moments, and as you said, this is not something that could have been done with just about anyone. You know, I like you. I don't know who signs off either, but let's assume it's Triple H. You can rest assured that there were very hefty discussions that were done here to make sure that this was done safely. And no one in the company would have let this one go. Had it not been for those two guys executing it. We even cut to Britt Baker in the audience, as we were talking about earlier, who has her, who's covering her face and she's not playing. She's not playing a character because she's not supposed to be on TV. She's legitimately concerned like all of us were let's be let's be completely honest we we know wrestling is predetermined they look out for each other but you're falling like 20 odd feet uh through a table onto a very very hard surface nonetheless despite the cushioning and the springs that might be there uh, hats off to them to put the air and the crash in air raid crash tonight It was a fantastic spot and a great match to a great show, Alex. I really liked this from top to bottom. I think it was perfectly paced, well-booked. Every match served its purpose. We had story. We had drama. I really liked it.
2: Yeah. We also had breaking news uh, during uh, our podcast. Uh, They've announced who the Women's Survivor Series team is.
1: please, Alex, break us some news. Put on... Put on your Jeremy Lambert hat and break some news for us.
2: I see the little, little thing that says press right here in the, in the band <laughs> of the hat. We should get
1: that for Jeremy. He needs
2: one of those. We should, yeah. Um, it's Rhea Ripley, obviously. Uh, Candice. Um, and they are joined uh, by EO and Bianca. So people that Rhea Ripley just tried to murder tonight, she says, I want you on my team. Um, I guess she says I respect you because you're really good. I c- I could see Rhea being like, "Hey, uh, I'm going to try and murder you again on Wednesday, but on Sunday, back me up here because I know you're really good. I don't love it, but we knew Tegan and Dakota weren't going to be on her no. team, and nor Mia. And the fifth member is Tony Storm, which is which makes sense from a storyline standpoint. However, they're pulling Tony from a from a progress show that she was going to do tomorrow a sold-out progress show in England she was going to do tomorrow where she was going to face Ginny. Um, I think Ginny. Uh, so that's great.
1: Well, okay. Look, I'm, We're going to have an opportunity, at least I'm going to have an opportunity to talk about it tomorrow on the Survivor Series yeah. Post show. And you're probably going to be talking about it on uh, Sour Graps as well, so we'll save that for tomorrow. Yeah. This was a great yeah. show. Had a good time, and uh, and uh, that'll wrap it up on our end. Alex, do you want to let people know really quickly where they can find you this week?
2: You can uh, follow me at AlexSourGraps on uh, on the Twitter, and uh, I have two shows every uh, week on uh, FightfulSelect.com.
1: Subscribe to Fightful Select, You'll get Alex's admittedly negative reviews of WWE programming, but that's the gimmick. It's fine. And you can uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Mr. Warren Hayes or on my YouTube channel at Mr. Warren Hayes. I'll be back tomorrow with Sean Rossap to talk about Survivor Series after the proceedings. I want to thank everyone for joining us this evening, and we'll see you next time.
2: This is the story of the Wad. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding